All right, guys, we are back here for the end of 2023 No-So Awards, I guess, whatever. But this is the Class A Awards that we are using the Observer Landscape. We are back with Rocco Martone, Mike Rossi, and Richie Mars. Richie, what's up? Let's start with you. Anything change in a week? Ah, you know, uh, nothing much. Uh, the new year, new me, I guess. Uh, I have a birthday on Saturday. That's pretty nice. Oh, nice. Happy 32nd 30, birthday. 30th. I guess. I guess. Oh, wow. Sorry. That's a big one. Yeah. You know, I'm doing, uh, I'm going to the gym and then sleeping. That is my plan. And I'm sticking yeah. to it. Well, if you uh, if you live up in the Northeast, you're going to probably have some snow. <laughs> oh, I'm, uh, I'm planning on it. <laughs> <laughs> Rossi, what's up? Boot. Not much, man. How we doing? <laughs> We're all right. We're all right. You know, Yukon, Providence. That's for another day. Uh, Rocco, yeah, what's up? Buddy? It's a bad day to talk about that for you guys. Everything's bad great. Day. Everything's great with me. Good. good. So, See you guys in your smiling face. So with that electric start, guys, um, <laughs> we are here for part two of the Awards, Class A. First time hearing this, the Class B Awards were released last Friday as we're releasing this releasing this Friday. The Class B categories were Biggest Box Office Draws, Best Non-Wrestler, Rookie of the Year, Best Wrestling Maneuver, Most Improved, Best Slash Worst TV Announcer, Best Slash Worst Major Wrestling Show, Promotion of the Year, Most Charismatic, Best and Worst Gimmick, Worst Feud of the Year, Promoter Slash Booker of the Year, West Best Slash Worst Wrestling TV Show, Worst Wrestling Match, Best High Flyer, Brawler, and Technical Wrestler, and the Most Overrated and Underrated. So those are the Class B awards that we hit on last weekend. And let's get rolling with the Class A awards. The Class A award we are going to start with. All right, Richie, let's start with you, buddy. The most outstanding wrestler for all of 2023. First, let me explain it. Most outstanding, we're going to take a look at it as in-ring. The best overall wrestler we'll get to last, but the most outstanding wrestler is in-ring ability, matches, work rate, so on and so forth. Richie, who is your 2023 most outstanding wrestler? Oh, well, there's slim pickings this year. Everyone kind of sucked. No. Uh, so... <laughs> You could go a myriad of different ways with this, you know. Uh, you could go in-ring as in technical. You could go in-ring as in putting a match together. You could go anything in that. I think someone who should deserve to be in the conversation that isn't in the conversation enough is Alex Shelley from TNA Impact Wrestling. He's had a sleeper of a year, in my opinion. He's been carrying the World Heavyweight Championship, something that he should have had a long time ago. So I definitely think he should be in the conversation for that. Uh, then you have Seth Rollins. You know, he kind of was the glue that held Monday night raw and WWE together with his world heavyweight championship reign and trying to build up his um, rivalries and feuds, you know, from people that I guess people didn't really think that were uh, worthy of either being championship competitors, or they would rather that see them as championship uh, material. Um, so you could definitely go the Seth Rollins route with that. But as for an in-ring competitor it is again it's really tough but i think uh this guy had a very underrated year so much so that he put his body on the line and now he is off of television and uh this man is grand the mic but in the ring i think he's uh had a sleeper year and that person is mjf because he had what he said whoa what he said before best iron man match best fatal four away uh bunch of other stuff too 
And uh, that just kind of qualifies, in my opinion, because for a guy that people say doesn't know how to wrestle, he wrestles pretty damn good. And he started off strong with that Iron Man match with Brian Danielson then the Fatal 4-Way, then the stuff with Adam Cole. You know, and I think he more than held up his end of the bargain as AEW world champion when the company was kind of going through a transitional period and is still currently in a transitional period. So that's my pick. Cool. Rocco, would you like to add to that or give us another answer? Oh, I didn't give a different answer. I do. I mean, I'm, there might be some Long Island bias by Richie right there, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I do like he's one of, just one of those dudes that you're always like a little surprised because he's so synonymous with being a good talker that when he does do his shit, you're like, holy fuck, I forgot. But the problem with them, Jeff, sometimes it's like, I feel like sometimes he Mick Foley's his matches a little bit in terms of like the overthinking. Like sometimes those main events have a couple extra parts to them that can, a lot of times it's really like the Iron Man with Danielson. Like there's a lot of different things that he'll throw in there, which I like the idea of trying new shit, even if it doesn't work. But mm-hmm. sometimes it does detract from my enjoyment of the match. I don't know about my enjoyment, but that doesn't always work. But I like that he's trying it. But that's a good pick. I mean, Kingston's always like such a good in the ring guy, Eddie Kingston, that I love watching him. The bestseller, Gunther, Mox were guys that I always had. But it's the guy I think the award's named after. It was like Danielson just is always when he's in that ring is just so real and uh, violent and just everything just is so cohesive in his matches that I just, you know, he's the guy that you just love to watch. And there's a reason why he's been the guy that people think of almost when they think of this. And, you know, that the, the classic, even though he didn't win it, the content of the classic was pretty much made for him to show off in the last month of the year, like how fucking good he was. And I think he did it. So I'm going to say Danielson is going to be my guy. Although the eye patch doesn't work. Yeah. I don't really like the eye patch just to add to that. That's good. All right. All great. Great picks so far. Rossi, would you like to add one or agree with either one? I would like to add a big one, bruv. Um, I'm going to go with Will Ospreay. Um, Look, the guy, like people can poo-poo on Meltzer's star ratings till the cows come home, but he had nine five-plus star matches in 2023. Um, And when you think about that, you peel the onion back on that a little bit. He had the best match of the year, in my opinion, in three companies. New Japan, AW, which kind of is cheating because it was a joint show, but also Impact. And here's the deal. He might have had the two best matches of the year in Impact, and he only wrestled two matches last year in Impact. (laughs) And you know what? I could probably even go further and find that he had the best match of the year in RevPro, too. I'm just not as versed in that. But looking at his star ratings now, uh, he had at least two of those uh, five-star matches in RevPro. So it's fair to say it's four companies. the guy, it's it, like I was look. I think about wrestler of the year, which we'll talk about later. And this one, kind of synonymously, because I like to pick different people. But I think of the wrestler of the year as the full package, the one that might have done business to, that might have you know carried a company on his back. And and I don't think Osprey really carried a company on his back per se, because he just floats around so much. And he was kind of wrapping up in New Japan while kind of first making his scene in in AW, right? But he doesn't have to. I mean, any show that he's on, he's the match of the night, right? And I don't think that there's that many people that you can say that about. Um, even like a match against Jericho, which wasn't, the, in, in my opinion, like his best match of the year, it was still probably the best match at all in, right? And, and that's a Jericho who's going about 50% of the speed that he used to, right? So um, I just think this guy's phenomenal. He does everything. I think he had my two favorite matches of the year. 
Um, and maybe probably three, if I really want to be honest about it. Um, and overall, I just think that he's somebody that put everything together this year and kind of expanded his profile. So now more people in the U S know him. And to that point, you know, he's going to have a huge 2024 being more in the U S so we got to go Will Ospreay. Yeah. But only nine plus five-star matches. He's slacking. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Right. It's funny because you mentioned that, and like Mike Bailey's a sneaky guy who had just amazing. Like he's so good, and just not have the platform. But Mike, you know, one of his. It's crazy that he hasn't gotten scooped by somebody yet, and now maybe he doesn't want to. Maybe he just likes freelancing. Is 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 Impact money the way for him to like be satisfied working everywhere else? You know. Yeah, I mean, Impact paid his for his visa, so I guess to that extent he is an Impact guy. But I don't know. I feel like people that are Impact guys really aren't. Like specifically impact guys, you know, maybe moving forward, but I mean, they only work like three shows a, a month, right? For them, right? Hopefully, he has a total non stop action for 2024. But all right, my wrestler of the year, um, it's subjective, really, as it is for everyone, but it's the guy I have enjoyed most. Um, if I were just to give like a uh, before I give my answer, if I was to go off and be like my actual thought, it would probably be Dave Danielson. Uh, save wavelength as Osprey, but less volume. Uh, the MJF match, the Ricky Starks match, uh, just all the Blackpool combat matches that he's in. Uh, in you know, like Rocco said too, the name the ward is named after him. So in ring only, not including the eye patch, probably Danielson. Um, if I was to give like an honest pick, but it's my it's my pick. So I'm going to give my favorite in ring competitor of the year. And that is Gunther. I could go over his accolades all the up and down the roster. In the Rumble, he was the best guy in the Rumble for ninety oh, for sixty plus minutes. He was the wrestle the one of the best matches at WrestleMania, SummerSlam. He had a banger. Uh, the trilogy with Chad Gable was fantastic. Uh, Chiampo later in the year, and just <clears throat> so on and so forth. I don't have it in front of me, but the guy that I enjoy in ring the the guy that makes every move count and you feel it at home to me that's gunther um if if i was to give an actual pick it would probably be danielson or osprey Austin made a pretty good point, point there but i'm going with my personal pick the guy i've enjoyed the most and that is gunther hey personal picks are where it's at man and if sabu had one match this year he'd be my number one pick of uh most outstanding wrestler so you gotta go with what you love i'll tell you what he was an enforcer he had one move or two moves. He threw a chair and jumped <laughs> off the was. rope. Most exciting, though, I'll tell you, was that a Sabu? That's hell yeah, man. <laughs> All right. Uh, Rocco, Martone, what is your 2023 Ute of the Year? Start us off, baby. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah, I mean, it, it was interesting for me to watch this, to think about it and break it down. And I kind of, my first thought was almost like we just talked about Omega Osprey, but that's more of a match based feud. I really had to stretch my brain and think of what got me super excited. And I got to go Trish and Beck. Like, the feud was such a cool, unexpected thing to come along. And so you have the return of Trish. And it was just, like, perfectly done, I think, uh, Trish and Becky. Like, there's the nostalgia of Trish. And Trish comes back and fucking people lose their mind because she looks incredible. And she hasn't lost a fucking step on the mic or in the ring. So there's the, there's the nostalgia of that. Becky, I mean, there's respect. Then you get the heel and the best and the massive heel, which is all like, and now you have 
evil Trish, like one of the most beloved characters. The when a, when a legend comes back and can be a heel like that, that's very impressive. Becky's the perfect person at that. So now you have the the angry veteran and Becky. You know, Trish is like you're taking my spot. Like, and these two are just jousting. Then you get the mentorship and the bodyguard of Zoe Stark in there, and everything just coalesces perfectly into like a fucking maelstrom of like violence in a old what's the most old school way to blow off a feud a violent cage match right one of the best matches i think becky had all year one of the best matches on that they had so to me it was just perfect and everyone came out better for it. you got this legend coming back on an awesome run doing something she hasn't done like be a heel in, in a while becky get in a non-main event or non-championship title feud just something they always struggle with with big stars and especially the female big stars and zoe stark is learning from these two two of the greatest and gets the shine and the rub from both of them so that's my feud of the year uh just some of the coolest matches and just great mic stuff and just a cool dynamic to it all so that's my that's my pick cool i thought that for sure women feud of the year i'll give you that all right rossi feud of the year so this is a tough one for me, too, and um, I think I finally settled on one that made a lot of sense once I really started thinking about it, and that was Dom Mysterio against Rey Mysterio. Now, <laughs> and this is kind of an opposite, because I, I like, I was originally thinking Osprey and Omega, too, um, which is funny Rocco said that, but you're right, it was really match, time off match, right? It wasn't really a uh, blood feud, um, even though the matches looked like they were. Dom and Rey was really... A lot of story, not a lot of match. When you think about it, they really only had the Mania match um, as far as the singles go. But that match was awesome. <laughs> and the build to it was great. This feud really started at the tail end of 2022. Um, but they didn't really get physical until the Rumble, really, right? Um, and then that segment when they were they had the mother and the sister in the front row was just so well done dom was such a detestable piece of shit during that entire thing it made you want to see ray kick his ass and then what really made me put this angle as or this entire feud as the feud of the year is the fact that it spurned into bad bunny and priest too um which was probably one of the more memorable matches of the year and probably the biggest mainstream wwe match of the year too so I thought that it really did a good job of making the LWO feel big when they finally put them together. Um, it, it really helped Dom get to that next level. And as we talked in, in the part A, he was really one of the, the breakout stars of the year, right? Um, and the fact that it turned into Bunny and Priest, I'll never complain about what brought us to that point. A match that I wasn't fully excited about when it happened, but it turned into one of my favorites of the year. So going to go Dom and Ray and... I think Dom and everybody that touched that feud um, became better coming out of it. Yeah, very cool. Two WWE feuds for feud of the year. Oh, interesting, interesting. All right, so mine is spotty, but its its highs are so high that I don't think anything would touch the highs. Um, there might be other consistent feuds out there, but this feud... It's kind of forgotten about because it was started, or not started, it really heated up towards the start of 2023. And that is the Bloodline Saga involving Sami Zayn, Jay Uso, Jimmy Uso, Kevin Owens, Roman Reigns, Solo Sokoa. So that woven, woven storyline all around Sami Zayn um, with the turn on Kevin Owens, 
uh, I know it was 2022, but the acceptance at Survivor Series um, just really. And then coming in the drama of the week of with Jay. Yeah, the drama of the uh, the ugh, I'll let it. The drama of Sami Zayn kind of doing the right, telling them to do the right thing, and you know, really earn your stripes. You forget the trial of Sami Zayn on the Raw 30. Um, so it just did a great job. That is so long ago that you kind of forgot about it. And goddamn, that turn at the Rumble there, being there live was just. Oh, man, you 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 knew something was coming. You suspected that to come, but that chair shirt shot is one of the top moments of the year. Uh, and then to the Royal Rumble, excuse me, then on to the Elimination Chamber, that stellar match. You forget about that match at the Chamber because everyone wanted Sammy, but everyone wanted Sammy because the story and the, and the setup and the drama and everything was so goddamn fucking good. And then Kevin... Making Sammy chase and wait for him to embrace him, to team up with him at the Royal Rumble at the at the WrestleMania, and then they fight, and then he gets him a few weeks before WrestleMania, and that WrestleMania night one, a tag team match, main events WrestleMania, all that building built off the story, the drama, and the development of and the escalation of these characters, um, and then finally they won the tag team titles and went on a fairly good run. Uh, you had the the pinfalls of the bloodline falling apart. You had first Jay walking away, and then Jimmy joining him. You had the you had the great angle with the super kick. Well, if he's out, well I'm out too. Boom, and then you had the great match between Roman and Solo versus Sammy and KO, and then you had the Usos versus the Bloodline at, at uh, Money in the Bank. And then, yeah, it ended with a stinker or a good wasn't acceptable. So it's a stinker of a Jey Uso and Roman Reign main event. So just from anywhere from the Sammy to the Civil War to even the blow off. And then even now, it's kind of still trickling, and it might boil up again with the rock. But the whole bloodline saga especially illuminating and highlighted around Sami Zayn is my 2023 beauty of the year. Richie, would you like to add to our lists of beauty of the year? Uh, yeah, right. You kind of stole mine, Ryan. That was very great of you. Uh, but I'll mention a couple other feuds of the year that I think we should kind of at least, at least mention as honorable mentions. Then I'll get to my thoughts of Sami Zayn versus Roman Reigns. Uh, as Please, a feud. Thoughts, of course. Yep. Yes. So uh, honorable mentions. Uh, I think we, we should mention at least MJF and Adam Cole just slightly because that was the feud that kind of, I don't want to say saved AEW because that kind of sounds dramatic, but it did keep AEW interest up while there was a lot of things that were going on in the company that you probably didn't want to go on in the company and they got a double clothesline over you know what i mean they got a kangaroo kick over you know and then the the story of mjf leaving his guard down for a second and then he's the devil and then it ended with adam cole being the devil himself and i'm sure we're gonna find out what's gonna happen this year with adam cole and mjf so we're not it, done with that feud. And it gave AEW, it gave AEW one of their first like really pro wrestling kind of feuds too. You know, like a real 
a I mystery and a secret guys. Like it was really like heightening the sports entertainment aspect of an AEW show, which so, you know, we, we know how that show works a lot of times where it's matches and in the ring, but yeah, like it really gave it that all the, the bells and whistles of a, of a old school kind of wrestling. Yeah. With AEW, yeah, it's more um, match based first and then story. It's very uh, new Japan esque in that sense where the matches are protained in the story and then uh, outside of it, then you could have like a promo or a segment. But this, we actually had multiple segments. We had multiple comedy vignettes when AEW doesn't really do that uh, unless you're a lower card act. So it, it, I think it opened up a lot of eyes what people can do in the main event scene in AEW and not just rely on five-star classes, e- even though five-star classics are great as we seeing many many of these matches and another uh, few of the year just uh mention i think uh roman and cody did very well and i like that they only touched during the main event of wrestlemania neither of them attacked the other one i think there was like a cool little ominous like uh kind of respect between the two where it's like you have two sides of the same coin but obviously they went to different paths with roman kind of being the golden child and cody who assumed he would be the golden child, but then he had to kind of leave the kingdom and go off on his own to truly find himself and come back as a bigger star. I thought it was a pretty cool um, way. And we also had some uh, segments after the fact, that kind of tease that they're coming back, like the face off they had at SmackDown, I think is going to lead to the direction of the Roman Reigns, Cody Rhodes feud uh, heightening this year. But uh, I really like the segments, the segments with Paul Heyman, the segments with, uh, Cody trying to predict the bloodlines downfall and we've seen a bit of that but not really yet so I, I just an honorable mention there but my feud of the year as I alluded to before is Sami Zayn versus Roman Reigns for the fact that this story wasn't supposed to happen pretty much it wasn't supposed to get as big as it did Sami Zayn made it work again like Ryan said tribal court was a fantastic segment with Jey Uso saving Sami Zayn when people didn't think that would happen and then that Royal Rumble turn with the chair shot and the electricity of the crowd. You never heard that in WWE in years and years to that ovation. And then they had the match at Montreal at Elimination Chamber, which was phenomenal. So much so that people were thinking that this should be Sami Zayn's moment at a WrestleMania. It was his moment, not quite for uh, the WWE Championship, but for the tag team titles. And this feud actually ended on a high note. Uh not with the SummerSlam match, but with the uh, Night of Champions tag team match with Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens against uh, Solo and Roman. And Sami Zayn gets his revenge of sorts against Roman. He didn't pin him, but he did claim that victory in a place that's near and dear to his heart. So that is my pick. It, real quick, it's like, for the same few, though, it's interesting because like the, you're almost, in, in, in a way, they're almost more story. Even the MJF and Cole, it's like a storyline not necessarily like a feud. So like you're getting a, like Zane and Roman really only feuded from Royal Rumble on, you know, but that was all part of the story. That was the preamble to the feud, you know? So like, mm-hmm. it's not your typical old school, like Magnum and Tully kind of feud where, you know, they, they were never friends. They just hated each other. So it's interesting to say feud or like a Hogan and Savage almost did feud before the lust in the rise part. They were, even though they were a team, they were kind of feuding where, like Sammy was was boys with Roman and those guys before the Rumble, so it's interesting to call it a feud, but it's just like a a long storyline that turned into a feud in a way. So I mean, I'm not. It's, it's just funny how that it's like in the storyline. 
yeah like a yeah, pure feud mm-hmm. yeah. but, but like a pure feudal like that's like for the they're, they're they're not done that much anymore like it's interesting how that's kind of like it's become series of matches that maybe develop or groups that turn on each other it's like seems to be the new way wrestling does feuds right it's a, it's mm-hmm. an interesting way that things have become i think we're going to be able to look back on the bloodline and just see a bunch of little subsections added into one storyline so yeah i guess i get what you're saying but i kind of took two two and two and thought it was kind of the same thing it's it's kind of like different chapters of a book you know what i mean like this chapter had this 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 and then uh I'm not going to call it innings, like Paul Heyman was saying. We're we're probably top of the fourth by now, as Paul Heyman would say. And coincidentally, when he says innings, it's pretty much he's naming the years of uh, the Bloodline story. So this is we're going year number four, I believe, of uh, the Bloodline story. So we'll see what year four brings. Real quick, too, uh, I have a quick honorable mention that was kind of more of like an underrated feud that I was thinking about because it was just so much better than it should have been is Gunther and The Miz. They had some really good in-ring segments and both of their matches really over-delivered. And not only did it do, it kind of helped Miz get get his babyface run going, which has been pretty good since, like the stuff with, you know, the truth and, and whatever. But the Gunther part that I really enjoyed of this is he like had a full like face-to-face like promo battle with somebody. And that's something that he's really not done in the past other than like, you know, just belittling people for desecrating his ring. Right. This was like, you know, shitting on the crowd, telling Miz he's a joke. This is stuff that, you know, was deeper promo work for Gunther. And I think it's going to set him up for success down the road. Rossi, funny you mentioned that. Let's start with you for best promo of the year. Yeah, well, it's not going to be Gunther, um, but <laughs> there's a lot of good people that you can put here. Like, obviously, MJF is somebody that you could give this to every year. Um, he had a lot of good promos as a heel, you know, good promos as a baby. But I'm not giving it to him because, as we kind of alluded to, or I alluded to in A, is I thought that a lot of his babyface work was kind of, I don't know, kind of lame in a lot of ways. Some of it was good, but some of it was lame. Um, and some of the storytelling that he had, like the tail end of the year, he was just tired. Like the Danielson stuff was good. Going into the Hangman stuff, I mean, sorry, uh, Jay White stuff was pretty good, but something was always kind of overshadowing it as a baby, so I couldn't fully give it to him. But if so, anybody said him, I'm not going to argue it either, right? Um, and I also want to give a lot of credit to Becky always here because I think for, um, you know, she gets a lot of promo time and she really helps put other people over with that. Like, I think that her and Trish on the mic really made that feud go to Rocco's point before, but I'm going to go with Cody Rhodes. Um, probably a boring choice, but I didn't think he had the most phenomenal in ring year. Um, as far as like, obviously some of his feuds are kind of disappointing, like the Brock one, um, but I mean, even though that ended with a good match, but his promo work for the bulk of the year was just top notch. Like even the promo the night after the rumble with Heyman, which really set the table for the run for the mania match, him giving Sami Zayn a pep talk before his match and saying, Hey, win the title. And then we'll go do this at mania. The segment with Reigns when Reigns was, was probably as good as he was all year, laying the belt down saying, will you ever, have you ever had this one? All the way through to the Brock feud when Brock wasn't on TV, but he had to keep the feud going on its own. Um, and just as the year went on, he just every promo the guy does is good and it really sells a story. He's got that like professional promo to him that like 
the only person in wrestling that I really can compare it to is like an edge when it's or Adam Copeland. I'm sorry. Um, because it's more of like the, like the acting story. It's more of, you know, really putting words together in a way that makes sense. Like Cody Rhodes is definitely someone that practices promos in front of a mirror. Right. Um, but the guy's just excellent in delivering the point and every feud is going to be good that he's in at the end of the day, because he can tell that story so well. Um, some of his stuff is campy. Some of it's like, you know, geeky and kind of whatever, but you know, what, what do you guys want to talk about? Like, that's something that pops the crowd every time and it works as a catchphrase and a way to start all of his promos. And, and overall, I just think Cody was a notch above everybody else as far as, you know, making a story out of nothing sometimes, you know, and I think that's what gave him the nod in 2023, at least. All right. So Rossi stole my thunder, not Richie. Now I know what it feels like. Um, <laughs> I even agree with it could be at MJF. He's probably the best talker in AEW. Um, but I'm going to add on here to Cody. But I will make another point saying, yeah, he's not the most electric, I guess. But he's the most consistent. He's easily the best talker on Raw. And for him to go through such a catastrophic loss at WrestleMania, so to speak. And if you couldn't see me, I was doing air quotes for catastrophic. And for him to stay over after being buried, he wasn't buried. But all these things, all these negative responses, he's done, go back to AEW, so on and so forth. None of it's true, but it's all adversity that he could have talked about. And 2023 will be the year of adversity, again, air quotes, for Cody Rhodes. And for you to believe in that adversity it has to come with really the sympathy of his voice and the sympathy of his words and the connection of his words and his voice for you to buy into that sympathy and for you to still give a shit. Um, I understand why they didn't give it to him at 39. I wasn't mad. I still, I wanted Roman to win. I thought it was the right decision. If Cody won it, I don't think it would, would have been wrong or bad, but I understood it. I got it. I thought it was right. And when Roman won, I said, holy shit, they actually did the right thing in the long term. And I understand that most of you guys are going to get mad and think it should have been Cody and it was right in front of him and he'll never be as hot. But no, I'm, I truly believe that in 2024, he will be more hotter after going through all this adversity and the story for Dusty, the story about Dusty stopped being about Dusty and is now about Cody. And at the end of this story, Dusty isn't going to be made. Cody Rhodes is going to be goddamn made of the story. And that's on the backbone of adversity. And for you to care about adversity and for you to really give a shit about Cody Rhodes, it comes to the bottom line of him on this microphone connecting with you. So that why Cody Rhodes is my 2023 promo of the year. Uh, I think 2024 is the year for Cody Rhodes. And I'm going to disagree with you a little bit, Rossi. I think the Brock Lesnar feud worked. I thought it was a success. And a lot of it, a lot of that sympathy and vulnerability and, oh my God, I'm, I'm on the, you know, I fucking just failed. And then the biggest monster is going to try to kill me. And now I'm climbing that hill. And again, it all comes down to promos because we showed, it showed in that WrestleMania main event, that motherfucker can go with the big dogs. Cause that was always my concern. Well, is he, can he really go with the big dogs? He can go. He he's can rock. He can roll. He's ready to carry the ball. He's ready for this company to be his. And 2024 is his. And long story short, 
Richie Mars, who is your promo of the year? Another round, another round. My pick gets taken up from me. It's fine. It's fine. But let me get some honorable mentions. Let me get some honorable mentions before I uh, add to the long, long book of Cody Rhodes. Um, I have two AEW stars as my honorable mentions. Uh, Christian Cage. uh, Yes. Great one. Simple. Simple to the point. Uh, The thing is, he doesn't do a lot different than what a heel should do. His points are very simple to the point. It's heel 101, and it just works. You know, it works for the crowd when the crowds like cheering the, you know, the heels, the bad guys in AUW. If they like your character, they will cheer enormously for you. We saw that with uh, Timeless Tony Storm. Uh, just being in the crowd for World's End, there there have been some people cheering for Christian Cage, but that was everybody booing on top of them. So it was about 5%, a healthy 5%. And uh, another AEW uh, mention, Samoa Joe. Samoa Joe always delivers in promos. He's the most believable guy in AEW, in my opinion, when he talks. When you mm-hmm. hear him speak, he's not porting on a character. He's not being a parody of anything. He's not dialing. I don't even think he's dialing it up to 11. He's just talking in his natural natural cadence, you know? Like, when he yells, it ter- terrifies you, and you're all locked and loaded with it. And... Again, he's a very threatening guy if you're in a feud with him. And his promos are just so linguistically just perfect. You know, for a guy his size who can be soft-spoken and then he could just yell and, like, he could tear your head off. And he's believable. And that's what I like with my promo, guys. It's believability. But promo of the year, like Rossi and Ryan said, Cody Rhodes, uh, a normal person who was put in Cody's position at WrestleMania 39 would have been booed tremendously by now, in my opinion, the fact that he stayed afloat and arguably in my opinion, got hotter after WrestleMania 39 shows how much value Cody has on the stick because it's easy to lose at WrestleMania and then win the next year, but you have to keep the people interested and invested to a certain degree. Now there are some outcries in the, online sphere that Cody Rhodes isn't uh, the most interesting guy. People call him vanilla. You know, he's like the Superman of WWE, but at the same time, if you look at his merch numbers that were released recently for the month of December, he topped the board. So obviously there are people who are still invested in Cody Rhodes to that degree after his devastating loss. So I agree with Ryan in that Cody Rhodes might be in hotter once WrestleMania 40 or whenever he, finishes the story and i know he's sick of uh (laughs) telling that and saying that as much as we are hearing it but cody rhodes his promo ability his dialect he makes you believe he turns something into like nothing into something with the brock lesnar feud because they were feuding for no reason and then it ended with majority of the people almost forgetting they were fighting over nothing we all still remember it's a terrible time for us we still don't know the reason maybe we'll find out who knows but um Again, Cody Rhodes is my pick for promo of 2023. Rocco, if you pick Cody Rhodes, I know you're not going to, but I, I, don't, have any, <laughs> I don't have any more words. <laughs> it is not a clean sweep. It is not a clean sweep at all. Um, I mean, Cody's definitely cool, and he's he's perfect for that role, and like his talking is what makes him Cody Rhodes. Um, once again, Joe was another one. He said that like the believability and the, the just – scariness that he could invoke with 
talking quietly but then yelling. Eddie Kingston's always super believable. I think our, Punk might have been the most int- pe- the person that people wanted to hear cut a promo the most this year, and he's always really good. But uh, Richie Lamb, your uh, Christian Cage was my guy, and mm-hmm. uh, easily the best heel promo dude in the business right now. And doing a heel promo the the way it should be done, which is just he's he's mean. He's not. you know he's mean he doesn't want to just beat you he wants to make you feel bad he wants your everyone around you to feel bad he wants the crowd to feel bad i love it he does right like it's like a bad guy like i could just shoot you but instead i could talk and it's like and i love that it, it makes people in the crowd uncomfortable because it's so real and relatable and it's kind of like cm punk and ray's kid or eddie's in hell kind of shit that like fans are like Jesus Christ, this shit's fucking wild, dude. And he's going for the jugular. And he's not trying to get cheered. to get uh, good, like cool heel shit. Like he is not trying to be likable. But he is still funny sometimes too. But it's funny in a very dark, um, uh, I don't know, I'm trying to think of a movie that I could think of. But like just a, a, just a dark, like a... It, <laughs> it's like the Tim Curry It movie. You know what I mean? He's campy. But he's also pretty threatening, even though it's a goofy movie. Like right. when Christian Cage kicked out his own daughter for not having proper credentials to yes, being yes. backstage. <laughs> one of the you best, know, one ha- of the best ha- backstage. And then, oh, yeah. and then it turns into something a little bit more creepy when he had a children choir like sing him to the ring. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, so- and in a very Dennis Reynolds, it's the implication of certain aspects of his character that are 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 just diabolical. So like, yeah, like he can beat you, but he'll taunt you first and. I don't know. I just think he's amazing. The the last sometimes it's not what you say, but what you don't say. They say that sometimes we're like read between the lines when it comes to like Nick Wayne's mom and his mentorship. So I think he he just wins it for just being old school and just downright fucking dastardly and mean and just the best heel in wrestling right now by far. Yeah, good shit. All good picks. Seriously, all good picks. And also go fuck yourself. The best line of any (laughs) promo. Of the year. <laughs> For sure. All right. I'm going to start off the next category here, guys. It, it is Tag Team of the Year. I think there's two answers here, guys. Uh, the AEW answer is the consistent answer. It is the forever best tag team. It is FTR. They easily had the best tag team match of the year. Against Bullet Club Gold on Collision. That was an epic 60 minute time limit match that ended in 58 seconds. It was just beautifully told. The psychology was great. The pacing was stellar. It was boring at first, but it wasn't boring. The excellent was great. FTR is fantastic. But my tag team of the year is Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, based off of. The accolades, of course. They were only team from March all the way through to October. So what's that? Eight months, so to speak. But still, eight months out of 12 for a tag team is excellent, <laughs> if you really think about it. Um, it's not like they were a new tag team. They had teamed forever, really. So they have a forever connection. They have ever chemistry. So that part was easy and natural. But for a tag team 
to main event WrestleMania, and it's not Mr. T and Hulk Hogan. Um, that's history right there. The first time the tag team championships were on the line to headline WrestleMania, coming off of that epic Roman Reigns match, and to stay just just to stay to stay on the stratosphere of over to main event at WrestleMania. Um, the the moment was great. The win was excellent, and the match was an absolute home run. Uh, that is my tag team of the year, and I can go down and give you their resume. Um, eight consistency, FTR, but overall impact, KO and Sammy. Richie Mars, to you. Hope I didn't steal anything from you, pal. No, I'm uh, going with FTR. You know, okay. uh, it's the uh, reliable answer. It's some might say the safe answer, but it is the most, like you said, the consistent answer. With FTR, they've had many, 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 many great matches. Of course, you mentioned the Bullet Club Gold matches. And uh, they're going to face, I believe they're facing uh, House of Black on the weekend. It's a shame that their tag team title reign ended as abruptly as it did against uh, Ricky Starks and Big Bill. And it just kind of like flatlined from there a little bit. But again, FTR has been putting out classics, not only in AEW, but Ring of Honor um, all over the world. So I think FTR is the tag team of the year and will probably win multiple more tag team of the years like in the future because they are still that good. And that that's pretty much what I have to say. Beat the young bucks in the trilogy of matches. So that's uh, my team of the year is FTR top guys out. Richie Rocco, your tag team of the year. Who do you got, buddy? Sabu and RB. (laughs) (laughs) If they had a match, Um, I'm going to same with rich, uh, Richie uh, FTR, you know, it's weird because they came off such a fucking insane year that it almost like yeah. it's hard to compare them and be like, oh, it seems like they had an off year, but they did not have an off year. They just were ch- they were held up against one of the greatest tag runs of all time in 2022. Yeah, the but like, just full- high and they stay consistency. They're awesome. Yeah, the full gear ladder match. They were the main one of the main parts of that. The Bucks match, the Cole MJF match, which I think was one of the first Cole MJF tag that really established Cole and MJF as a cohesive unit, if I'm not mistaken. So it's got to be them because, um, and it's just one of those things, you know, any of the matches just like that hour and the two, like the, the bullet club stuff that you didn't even think, or the gun club, I think there was uh, something with them too. That was really good. It could surprise you with a match of the year out of anywhere. And then you throw the final battle six man in there, like was one of my favorite matches of the year. So um, honorable mention to, I mean, the acclaimed were one of the most over tag teams in the beginning of the year. And I, I think that definitely deserves some merit, even though it's the six, but, and, uh, like Richie said before about, um, Shelly motorcycle machine guns, I guess maybe they didn't have as much tagging together, but just their whole collective this year seemed really impressive. So, but yeah, FTR, man, uh, just, yeah, not to muddy the water either, but, uh, I, you can even add in their CM FTR stuff. Their six man stuff with punk was excellent. Right. Say with uh, tag team of the year, do you guys, since we're seeing more and more like six man tag teams, like being more in mainstream wrestling, do you think they're going to like probably open the floodgates if there's going to be like a six man, like tag, like a six man tag to uh, qualify for tag team of the year? Or do you think it's going to stay like just strictly two people? I mean, a six man tag is a, still a tag, right? So mm-hmm. I mean, you could throw like a damage control type thing, right? Or a judgment day into that where it's like a team that has multiple mm-hmm. person matches all the time. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, Still not better than FTR, but when they're part. Not, of- no, absolutely not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, when you look at WWE's roster and how they've they've treated the tag titles this year with you know a lot of like put together tag teams, 
Um, well, not even really put together, but like teams that are not real tag teams, right? I feel like a six man for them would have been better <laughs> this year, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. It's, it's a trios. Mm-hmm. Yeah, true. <laughs> Which the acclaimed uh, are the trios champs in, in AEW, if anybody remembers those titles. Thank you. Continue, Rossi. Who's your tag team of the year? <laughs> so, yeah, it's a FTR. I mean, I think, like, like kind of to, to Rocco's point, like, you, you kind of, you remember their 2022 so fondly that you, like, almost don't want to pick them this year. But then you look at their, like, how eclectic their, their matches were. I mean, they had a match in the Tokyo Dome to start the year. They had a killer match with the guns that really established the guns. They had a awesome pay-per-view match with fucking Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett. Um, it just worked. Um, and then during the summer, they had the insane matches, Bullet Club Gold, which is multiple. There was a six-man with Punk in there. Um, to Rocco's point, MJF and Cole and Hartford was sick. The match with the Bucks was awesome at All In. Um, all their matches. They had an Aussie open match at Wrestle Dream, which was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And then they had the best Rampage match of the year, too, with Vikingo and Commander. So, um, overall, I mean, look at think about the names I just shot out there, like some of the most random tag teams that you can think about getting in there with FTR, and they mix it up with all of them. Um, I want to give a couple shouts, too, though. Um, like, not to obviously be anywhere close to that level, but want to give a couple indie teams a shout because I feel like this is where, obviously, a lot of you guys know me as. Um Miracle Generation, which is working a lot of Beyond and stuff, they had a really good year, and they're really kind of the almost like the aces with Alec Price of that of that company mm-hmm. right now. Um, and Nick Wayne and Jordan Oliver, the East West Express, they had a really good year too. Um, they tagged, they were tag champs in GCW for about four or five months, um, and they had some killer matches. They beat Motor City Machine Guns, who also had another good year, um, but it was more so Shelly as the um, world champ in Impact. And another team that I think had a really good year is in becoming a tag team was Tony D'Angelo and Stax in NXT. Um, not a lot of blowaway matches, but they're a team that really got better as a tag team and they, as they became a, a true tag team in that division, right? They had some good matches with everybody they were in there with. So not the best of tag divisions down there to, to argue with, but I think that they worked. Um, and they're not embarrassing those belts by holding them. So No, they're over. They're fun. Richie Mars, no one's going to steal this one from you, buddy. Woman <laughs> Wrestler of the Year. Get us going, brother. Ah, oh, geez. There, there's a lot of good po- like people uh, that you could say for Woman of the Year. You could say uh, Rhea Ripley. Obviously, she had a phenomenal year winning the Ro- Royal Rumble at number one to winning the SmackDown Now World's Women's Championship at WrestleMania. Uh, her reign so far has been a little underwhelming, but at the same time, she's been the forefront in majority of the storylines on Raw, arguably the main character of uh, Monday Night Raw for the year. Uh, you could also throw in like a Deanna Perrazzo, uh, if possibly. You could throw in a EO Sky had a sneaky good year, as did Bailey. Uh, but my overall pick, uh, and again, you could even throw Tony Storm in too. But uh, my overall pick is Rhea Ripley, just for the fact that she has been the most uh, prominent and featured woman in WWE. Uh, She has taken her character work to the next level. She's gotten majority of the Judgment Day. She's added a bit of 
more of a sinister side to each of them, like what we saw with Dominic Mysterio, what we saw with uh, Damian Priest and Balor. She has great chemistry with everyone she's in the ring with and on the microphone with as well. She works off of everybody, and she's the most versatile woman that we've had in a long time in that spot, and she's still young, too. I think she's only about like 26, 27. So the sky's the limit, and this is her first breakout year, for lack of a better term. It's going to be nothing but Rhea Ripley from here on out with the WWE's women's division is concerned. Yeah, she's an excellent pick. Rocco, who's your woman of the year? Uh, Rhea, I think, is one of the most important members of the Raw WWF roster at this point. But um, Becky was great. The Trish stuff rules. Jamie Hayter had a great beginning of the year. All the stardom chicks were like, it's tough because they're all of them have such fucking good matches. Athena had a great Ring of Honor run at the end of the year. Diana was great. Yeah. Diana was great too. EO had like a breakout year, but I'm going to go with uh, one of my all time favorites, and that's Asuka. Um, Asuka's kind of like the Cal Ripken of WWE, like women's division, like where it's like consistency is where she's at. And maybe like more of a, uh, like a Ricky Henderson, right? Like he could, she could do everything, she could main event. She could slide down to the mid card. She could be a heel. She could be a face. Other women's highs may have been higher than hers this year. Um, but if I'm starting like a women's division, she's going to be my number one draft pick, right? So, like, I'll be a little loquacious because it is my favorite category and my favorite wrestler, one of my all time. So, like, she comes back. She has the Rumble match where she was amazing in one of the last three, kind of held that match together. She got the new look. Everyone was very excited for like Kana Asuka. Then she wins the elimination chamber to become number one contender. So they she comes in, they give her like the they need another mania match, right? For Bianca, because Becky is um with Trish. So like she wins that, making her like the first person to win the rumble and the money in the bank and that. So then Mania. After what most people will consider the one of the best matches of the year, her and Bianca come out on this feud that was not the best a built feud in terms of like Asuka and, and Bianca kind of went a little long. They totally did not get destroyed by the crowd they won the crowd over and had my second favorite match of wrestlemania which was amazing right and then in may she wins the title from bianca SummerSlam, she loses it to bianca in that awesome three with charlotte all these matches are great she's got the great eo match on smackdown fast lane she loses to eo and charlotte in a great three-way she goes to nxt because that's who they have her go to fight roxanne joins damage control has war games and then ends the year like kind of starting Kabuki Warriors again, where you're going to see next year where she's probably going to be with Kyrie, like having great matches with the the, the tag team division. Like the, all those things I'm saying is like the, the flexibility and just the versatility to go from the top. There's nothing she does that's not believable in the ring. Um, I just think there was such a, it just showed who she is as an important member of that roster to just have such abilities to go all over the place and everything she does is fucking awesome so she's my pick this year excellent rossi you got some uh differing opinions uh, yeah what do you think here, buddy? yeah um so a couple shouts for honorable mentions first um julia um who's somebody that you know stardom if you're a stardom fan you know her well but it sounds like everybody's gonna know her really well in the next six months so um, we'll save her, see if she impacts hard in 2024. Um, but she had some bangers in, in stardom and actually started having some matches in the U.S. 
um, had a match with Willow. That was pretty cool. Um, so we'll see what happens with Julia in 2024, but sky's the limit for that girl. Um, Athena too. Um, she was given two really tough ROH main event spots because she had to follow some crazy matches in both instances, but she really delivered and they were, and she delivered with, um, I don't want to call Willow and Billy Starks green, but at a main event pay-per-view level, they kind of were right. And they both delivered in those matches as well. And, and that's because Athena was so goddamn good in both the builds of those matches and, you know, kind of piecing everything together at the end. Um, and one last shout again, Becky, because of how much she really, helped the WWE women's roster as a whole this year. Um, she worked really hard with the Trish feud to get Zoe Stark to a better place. Um, she worked really hard in her NXT run with um, obviously making Lyra pretty much completely by, by letting her go over. Um, and then obviously the match with Stratton really put Stratton to another level too. And those are two girls that have bright futures in WWE that really were just elevated by Becky's run down there. So give her a shout too, but I, I'm going too with Rhea Ripley. Um, kind of to when we were talking about show of the year. Um, I had said WrestleMania 39. I thought that Rhea and Charlotte was the best women's match in WrestleMania history. Um, they just completely crushed it. Rhea's performance in the Rumble was awesome. And and to Richie's point, like that wasn't even the best parts of her year because she was such a dominant member of the Raw um, show every week. She really helped get Dom over. She, as a heel, she really worked to make Judgment Day, and she really did become a leader of the Judgment Day as the year went on. Um, and, I mean, if Zelina doesn't have a match against Rhea in that Backlash show, yeah, she had the uh, Puerto Rican Pride thing going for her, but the match felt more special because she was like, you know, it was like David versus Goliath, right? Um, she had a couple good matches with Natty, nothing that you really fall in love with, but to, to your point, yeah, the, the matches weren't the best in the second half of the year, especially, but she didn't have to. Like, she's become an attraction that she's she doesn't have to be on every – Right, she doesn't have to be a, um, a member of every pay-per-view as a, as a singles match because she's going to be in the Judgment State corner wreaking havoc regardless, and – and she's, you know, helped Dom's run an NXT too. Someone that that's definitely a company woman, and she'll do whatever. Like, and she's gonna have a really cool beginning of 2024 with an Australia show that you know is gonna have her in a big spot too. So she's gonna be somebody we're gonna be mentioning for this category for years to come. And I just think to to your point too, Richie, she was really like the, the woman's breakout star of the year. Um, and I mean, she went from middle, which was still good. To like very upper echelon in a quick period of time. So gotta go, Rhea. Yeah, excellent points. This one's easy, but it's kind of hard. It's kind of how you look at it. Like Rocco made a great point for Asuka because that's how he looks at it, right? You guys made great points for Rhea because that's how you look at it. So it's like you gotta make it your own. And someone who made this division their own after being a main event player for Every single year, the last five years, it seemed like when she was around and when everyone and she really established this division to main event WrestleManias and be presented in main events and be presented at the same level as stars and allow Rhea Ripley to escalate up to this level. And then for someone to kind of get pushed down the card and to roll out the resume of Rocco's feud of the year for a all-time short run in NXT when she didn't need that, but she was looking for work. Uh, then for her to even her of late to kind of revisit a feud from Nia Jax from five years ago. She re at WrestleMania, 
she was not featured in one of these main events matches when um and that's fine but she went out there and took damage control that was really kind of fumbling let's be real damage control was fumbling in a way it wasn't connected and not at the level that it is now but she took damage control and she was like let me feud with that bailey was kind of swimming upstream really hard and becky kind of took bailey and damage control and let them kind of sink in and find their character work and give them an adversary for them to connect with and just let them find their landing and damage control has been pretty good of late and especially in the second half of the year and they're able to can go to smackdown and lead a division and that's kind of off the grunt work of becky lynch and uh she was tag team champs with Lita. Um, they, she had the spinoff feud that with Trish that Rocco. The tr tr Trish feud wasn't perfect. Let's be real. But Becky was consistent enough, big enough star, and found building. And they had an all-time match in that blow-off of the ladder match. The two Tiffany Strat match, I went four on. I thought they both were excellent. Uh, I didn't really love the Extreme Rules match, but it's still a four-star match. I love the TV match where she won it. Um, it's Becky Lynch. Because she wasn't given that main event scene, but she whatever she took, she ran with. Um, and it's a personal pick, but if I was to like say this kind of to the Danielson and uh, Gunther pick, if I you know, I think the pick is Rhea. If um, but I'm more of a resume kind of guy, just stay true to my guns with Gunther, and you can't deny Becky Lynch's resume. And also, shout out to EO Sky, EO Sky had the biggest leap this year um for sure uh she is a solidified main eventer i can't wait to see what comes out of her once kind of she moves on from this bailey feud but think about it coming off becky lynch they were able to go to smackdown lead that division and now they're, they're going to have a spinoff and we have really three new stars coming out of it so you know kudos to becky i think it's going to be looked back looked back on as being a a banner year for her in a year of a career full of banner years. It, your pick and mine are very similar in terms of like, like Becky didn't, she had a, a year that you wad so much and was so great without having a feud with Charlotte, Rhea, yeah. Bianca, any of the top stars. And she made everything her own. Right. Yeah. And it was maybe like a, when Cena, a Cena doing his like last, his U S title run, like this big star going on. That's the thing that I always thought would, they should be doing with having, the bigger stars don't always need to be in the title pictures. They should be. Interacting. Yeah, they should be interacting with the the bottom, the, the middle card, the middle of the card, and elevating them. And like, and when Becky touches someone, they be, they become more relevant and more important. And that's it's a very similar way of thinking of how we both looked at this, Ryan, which is very rare. We don't usually fall on the same plateau. Yeah, but I do, but I do agree. It's Rhea. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just I said she's the most important character in yes, all of the yes. WWE at this point. But now, when those those worlds collide at any point in 2024, it's going to be electric. You know, coming both coming off banner of 2023s. Yeah. All right, guys, we are cruising here a lot. You know, eh, it's less volume, but you, you get what I'm saying. We're cruising here compared to last week. All right, Rocco, we, we have two categories left. Why don't you kick us off with match of the year? <clears throat> All right. I'll do some quick, uh, you know, also possibities. Like I said, I love the Beck Trish blow off match. Kenny Osprey, Wrestle Dream. 
Kingston Claudio at fucking Supercar of Honor because I've watched those guys wrestle for 20 fucking years. The six man of final battle was just amazing and brutal. Um, Gunther, Sheamus, Drew, EO, and Bianca might have been my the most fun I had watching wrestling this year. Just turning on that pay per view, and that's the first match, and the crowd is like that. And I love EO, and just it, I don't know, man. I, I was watching that, I think I texted you, Ryan. I'm like, this is it, she's the biggest star in wrestling. Now, after this, you're like, eh, you know, I think it's the crowd. I'm like, yeah, yeah, you brought me down there at the last minute. but um. My favorite match of the year is a uh, hangman swerve death match. It is, uh, it was, <laughs> it was just such a, it transcended like the commonality of like most wrestling matches. Right. And there's death matches and I, I'm not even the biggest death match guy. I like them live more than I like watching them on TV and stuff like that. That's, and I'm more that's... of an FMW big Japan guy from the nineties than I am current light tube death matches. But I love a, I love any art that pushes boundaries, and I think it's important that you have to push boundaries in wrestling. So, and that's how like some of the greatest art ever has been conceived as 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 troubling and and, and challenging people. Like like The Exorcist, the movie, like people were fainting in the aisles watching that in in seventy four, but the lines were on the block to see it, right? So there's always going to be that aspect of challenging art, and horror itself is like cathartic and and visceral and sometimes uncomfortable. And it's this super personal feud where this man did a home invasion. It's literally the the the, the antithesis of Triple H, Randy Orton at WrestleMania, where a home invasion turns into a fucking hammer uh, head step over toe hold match. This was like what you would do if someone touched your kid's fucking crib, right? So like that aspect of it pulls you into this 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 monstrous show that is challenging you emotionally, intellectually, maybe even morally. Maybe there's probably people that are like, I shouldn't be watching this, right? Like, this is too much. So to me, it takes that, and it's so, the violence is so outrageous, but there's so much reality to it that it never oversteps, like, the credulity of what's happening. And then there's the small moments of levity in there, too, or you're like, oh, that's a, and then that makes the violence even worse because it's followed up with that. So to me, it's everything a death match should be. And I love that it upset square people. I love that I saw stuff I've never seen before. I love how it was like a, a a horrifying thing done in a beautiful way, like a like a like a beautiful death metal song or a, a, a great horror movie, right? Like so a Bergman movie. So I don't know. The tone was so unrelenting and just everything about it made people uncomfortable. So it took like it definitely enters the pantheon of like Magnum and Tully. Hell in the Cell 98 and Tafunk Sabu for me, where it's like this beautiful piece of barbarism and just brutality. And it just elevated it into a way that I didn't expect it to be that. And I couldn't believe it when I was watching it. And then afterwards, I love seeing people be upset by it because that's what it was supposed to do. And that's what it went out to do. And it challenged people. And that's my number one match of the year. Sick. Fuck you. Love it. Yeah, Um, yeah, I'll piggyback off of that with what I actually thought was my favorite AEW match of the year, and that was the Moxley Hangman um, Texas Death Match that they did. Um, Was that Revolution, maybe? But I mean, they had the cinder blocks out. I mean, that I love that shit. (laughs) So, um, you know, I I, you get so desensitized to death matches because so many companies are doing them now that when you see one on like a pay per view, you're like, holy shit, this is awesome. Um, And obviously, I'm going to give a shout to MJF and Danielson in that Iron Man match. I I think it was the best Iron Man match of all time. Um, The drama at the end, I mean, you all knew MJF was winning. 
but the way that they put it together at the end was so awesome. Um, and then WWE, like I already talked about Rear and Charlotte. I thought that was the best women's match of the year. Um, and that, you know, can't argue that triple threat. Um, you know, also, obviously, the, the most impactful matches of the year are your, you know, your Bad Bunny match, like I said before. Um, there was a really good Dragon Off match with Carmelo Hayes at No Mercy. I could go all day. But I'm going with Wrestle Kingdom, Osprey, Osprey, and Omega. Um, I was like jar on the floor watching this match, right? It was a match that I was really looking forward to seeing for a long time. And what I liked about this, I mean, I was looking at this versus the Wrestle, or I'm sorry, the Forbidden Door match, and that was also amazing. They're pretty close. Um, what give, gave me the leg up a little bit on the Omega-Osprey match is you could have talked yourself into either guy winning that. Um, at the time and Omega ended up getting the win. And then obviously the, it was, that made the next match kind of anticlimactic because you kind of figured that Oscar would get his win back, which he did. So that's what made me separate the two, but just the, the storytelling and the overall physicality in this match. And it wasn't just cause it was in the dome either. They just like, both of these guys are in such a, a high level going into this match. And if you know, like the story of Omega and Osprey, Osprey really got, you know, taken to the next level in New Japan when Omega left, right? They kind of were that, you know, non-Japanese or Gaijin, like, person that really held that company together while Okada and the Naitos and all of them really crushed it. Um, so having this match at Wrestle Kingdom, like, I felt so bad for, uh, I think it was Okada. Was it Okada and Naito that had to follow it? Um, like, Good luck, guys, right? Like, these two yeah. just beat the shit out of each other. It was um, Omega was pretty much playing heel, um, the way he was so, so vicious in this match. Um, the V-triggers were crisp as ever. There was a super Oz cutter at one point that was just out of this world. Near falls, as any Wrestle Kingdom will give you. Um, all in all, it was, just my, it was so early in the year. Like, I had to rewatch it last week because I was like, is this really the match of the year? Um, and it was. It was just so good, so electric. The crowd, like the Japanese crowd, when there's a good match going on, there's nothing like it um, because you can feel like everything that they're feeling as they're watching it. And um, overall, just love that match. And while I love the second one, it just didn't stack up to me to the first completely close, but not completely. Yeah, excellent, 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 excellent. Yeah, um, from an AEW standpoint, you guys kind of – you guys kind of stole my thunder with the swerve match. Rocco, I remember I was not watching that pay-per-view live. And I remember the chat we're in. And I was like, hold on. He just drank his blood. That's so stupid. What? And then I think someone posted it. And I said, all right, I need to watch this match. So I went out to seek the match. It it really, really is great. It's wild. <laughs> but it's great. And, and Rossi, uh, all your points are great too. The MJF Danielson match was my AEW match of the year these are hard to kind of compare because let's be real wrestling is wrestling but an aew match a new japan match are kind of similar but to compare it to a wwe match it's like root loops it's two completely different cereals but it's but it's both cereals you know what i mean so it's kind of you know what i mean like you gotta you want like what kind of sugar do you want really in a way? You know what I mean? What kind of flavored sugar do you want? So it's kind of, that's how I look at it. Like, but yeah, it's, it's cereal, it's wrestling. So, and, to, and then I would add in the earlier match where I've said FTR bullet gold 
I love tag team wrestling um, for sure. And those three were my AEW matches of the year, right? And from a WWE standpoint, because those are the two most com- two companies that I watch. And Rossi, I only watched that Wrestle Kingdom match once, and it was fantastic. So, but I'm not gonna. I can't really. It's your pick, so I'll, I'll let you have it. I'm not gonna. I can't remember it that much to to stick on it. But my WWE picks are hard. Um, I had one five star match. I'll get to it at the end. I had four three and three quarters or five star matches at WrestleMania alone. And then I had a, I, the girls, the tag, and then the, the IC. And then Roman and Cody had four and a half. That's excellent for an all-time WrestleMania. The, you forget about the Sami Zayn and Roman Reigns match. Four and three quarters I went with that. It's fucking fantastic. It truly, truly is. The Bad Bunny, Damian Priest. Fuck, I went four and three quarters again. Seth Rollins and, and uh, Finn Balor from SummerSlam, four and a half. Um, it's just like this low... Where, embarrassment of riches eo and bianca i went four and a half so in the mid 2000 you get two four and a half plus star matches a year in the wwe you're fucking rocking and rolling we're getting these two a month now but it's short compared to the rest it's sweet everything fucking counted it was a a war it was a fucking battle it was a gauntlet it is the three-way i see title match from wrestlemania your intercontinental title at wrestlemania five-star match that's a thing of the past wrestlemania 10 wrestlemania 3 wrestlemania 6 even that's a thing of the yesteryear for them to establish drama to read gunther's doing a fantastic job with this match and it was all built around the title was for the drama will these goliaths former world champions go slay this up-and-comer intercontinental champion on his rise. And no, it was a fucking battle. Every fucking pinfall counted. Every fucking chop mattered. They did a great job selling the visuals of them, of their chests and their body, and the hamburger meat everywhere was fantastic. It is my favorite match of the year. I'm not necessarily sure it's the best, but then again, this is the night, the theme of the night. My favorite intercontinental title, WrestleMania 39. Richie, how about you, buddy? Uh, that was close. That was close to taking my spot. You know, the triple threat intercontinental championship match. I think it was the perfect kind of past, present, and future kind of match mm-hmm. in a way where you had Sheamus, you had McIntyre, and then you had Gunther. And I think that match really did solidify Gunther's reign as mm-hmm. intercontinental champion to be as um, great as it is. You know, and I think that pretty much put that over the top for him getting a win over two former world champions, one former WrestleMania main eventer. I think that really put Gunther on the map for uh, his Intercontinental Championship run. Uh, Again, Ryan, like you said, the Cody Rhodes Roman Reigns match, it was very, very good. Uh, I think the ending. is great when you look at it like kind of like a greek tragedy in some sense (laughs) where it's just kind of like you think the hero is going to win and then this thing just dramatically happens and the crowd was stunned i one of my friends are like he's like i feel like the streak just ended again you know with the with all that just kind of it just kind of sucked the air out of the building and i'm just like man that's like uh, it, it's like one of those where it's like you go to WWE and you're like, man, they got me, you know, and it's like sometimes it's like it's hard to it's hard to get uh, the fans nowadays and really get them with that emotion and uh, really just that stunned silence of just like, wait, did that really just happen? So 
Love that. Uh, I think uh, this is match of the year just because uh, th- this match I'm going to talk about is just because it wrote a lot of wrongs in the past and just seeing how it trajected somebody in a star making performance. Uh, and that's uh, Rhea Ripley and Charlotte Flair. You know, uh, it wrote the wrong of their WrestleMania 36 match. That was kind of like a tailspin that Rio uh, went through, you know, after that. Uh, she was called up eventually, beat Asuka at WrestleMania for the championship, but she was never taken seriously, I think, as a face of the women's division. And she was with a myriad of different tag team partners and seemed like the company didn't really know what to do with her. And then it built into this um, match at the Rumble and her choosing to go for Charlotte Flair. And uh, the the buildup to the match wasn't really that great. It wasn't anything to write home about. But the match itself, they went out there and proved why they deserve to be that main event of night one of WrestleMania 39. And just the spots I remember clear, like the German suplex that Charlotte like landed almost on her head, the avalanche riptide from the top rope. And it truly was a star-making performance. And I think you even saw Charlotte kind of smile just knowing that they pretty much arguably stole the show that day and it really did set Rhea Ripley on a trajectory to being that main star on Monday Night Raw and I think for that alone to happen out of WrestleMania to be the show stealing possibly match at that show like you won't get any arguments from me and it really was a passing of the torch without it being explicitly being the passing of the torch of a superstar. So that's my pick for match of the year. The in-ring stuff was phenomenal as well. It's crazy because you can pick four matches from WrestleMania and they could be your match of the year and you're not wrong. <laughs> you know what I mean? the way, like, you, like you're saying too, passing of a torch for that match is that like Rhea is pretty much Charlotte physically like their her just her athletic ability and stuff like that like she really does have the same physical attributes so it's it just like a pure like it's like hostile like just brock lesnar versus brock lesnar <laughs> like you know what i mean like just yeah. two like super athletes battling so like it was such a good match that was my number two so uh love that pick yeah yeah irresistible yeah. force and the immovable object you know and then i think we saw a, a modern day version of that in some regards yeah. now real quick in retrospect should that have main evented WrestleMania night one? No, I don't think so. And this is the reason why you have to go with the hottest story that's going on in that company. And the hottest story at that time period was the Sami Zayn bloodline stuff. And unfortunately, like if this was based on just the match itself, uh, Charlotte Flair and Rhea Ripley would have main evented that WrestleMania. Unfortunately, they didn't have the story to help in intensify or legitimize that position Sami Zayn, kevin owens and the usos they had that storyline on lock and they performed it to a t now were there one too many super kicks for my liking absolutely (laughs) you know (laughs) and it's just one of those things where you for wrestlemania which is usually the either beginning or the ending of stories you had to end that Uso saga then and there, and it deserved nothing less than the main event of WrestleMania. And the pinball of it, you know, you had, you had the SummerSlam main event coming out of that. You had 
the previous Sami Zayn main event. That story's hot. So yeah, I, I do. I that was my pick too. I agree. Rocky, you want to make a case for the women? Because I know you you, you would have. <laughs> uh, yeah, I definitely would have done the women. Um, I, I I we've discussed. I'm not as big on the bloodline storyline as you guys, but we talk about the Cody storyline seem like a predestined thing to happen. I think that the USO Owen Sammy match definitely seemed way more of a predestined like they were going to win kind of thing and i think people went in there and of course when a match starts you still bite on all the the two counts and stuff like that during the match but i feel like that like that battle at the end of a wrestlemania would have really you talk about Rhea, her first mania win with no crowd was not was kind of like after that she should have had much more of a shine i think her ending the night as the champ that in a match that a lot of people probably thought charlotte was gonna possibly win because charlotte wins right she's, she's you know cena wins kind of thing so and it's the women's championship, and I think they had a. They should have. I don't want to say like just to give it to them as of the fact, but I think a solo title for the world world title optically would have looked really cool. And if you go back and look at it, yeah, the Usos losing and Kevin Owens and Sammy winning looks. It was fun at the time, but Rhea winning that title and establishing a year of dominance and a, probably the decades of a dominance would have probably been cooler for her to end the night as that champ and this young uh, person being the fucking star. So I would have went with Rhea and Charlotte, even in retrospect. Yeah, I think I think the only reason that I would have kept it the way that it was was the fact that I feel like there would have been a little bit more crowd fatigue if the Sami Zayn KO match was before it. Like, Good I mean, I, that's what I'm trying to figure out. is like, where would they put that match if it wasn't the main event, right? And I also feel like maybe you don't get as good of a match if they're the main event because they get that like levity of like, Holy shit, I'm main eventing WrestleMania. Like um, they kind of were able to have that steal the show vibe, which kind of brought that to another level because, you know, we all expected the Zane KO match to be good, but did we expect the Rhea Charlotte match to be a five-star? I, I don't know. I, I wasn't. Um, I thought it was going to be very good, but um, you know, the way that things were, it just didn't, you know, I didn't believe that as the main event going in. But yeah, I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty. It would have been interesting to see how the crowd would have reacted if it was the main. And maybe, maybe it gave them uh, Edge and Undertaker fucking uh, motivation to be like, "Fuck you, we're gonna fucking kill this shit in the undercard, and you're gonna eat." Follow that bitch. <laughs> well, they did, but I will say, you know, you had KO from the year before. That excellent job with Stone Cold. He earned it. Sammy with the Bloodline earned it, and the Usos, goddamn tag teams for in this company for forever. Probably the greatest tag team in that company. Arguably, so I think everyone heard it, and Rhea will get her moment for sure. Either one, no, like no. if those are your two choices, like that's a pretty good goddamn choice to make I'm, right there. We'll take the. It's and even if they went have. with the women, I don't think they're <laughs> yeah. wrong. Hell yeah! All right, but guys, that was our segment. That was like our backstage segment until we get our to our main event right here. And Mike Rossi, kick us off. Who is the twenty twenty three wrestler of the year? And just to clarify. Earlier when we started, we said rest, outstanding wrestler. We consider that in-ring wrestling ability. Now, who is the complete package is wrestler of the year? Just wanted to clarify that. Ball's in your court. Yeah, so we're going to spend five minutes here talking about the merits of a guy that's so underrated, and that's Baron Corbin. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, so uh, there's, a lot of people, there's a lot of people here that I can honestly say deserve this, like, 
MJF deserves it for the year he did because he showed how eclectic he could be by having the babyface run. And although I said I kind of poo pooed on it earlier, you know, it still delivered. The crowd liked it. Um, I mean, I was a mark in the crowd at that um, when they had that tag match before the blood and guts. And, you know, I just wanted to see that goddamn double clothesline. So I understand. Um, I also want to give Ilya Dragunov a shout because I think he had a phenomenal year down in NXT. Um, and also in WWE. Um, I think that, you know, you got to still talk, talk about Cody because his in-wing ring work was so good. He kind of pushed the promo along. Um, and then Reigns even, you know, he wasn't around as much, but his matches feel like, you know, stories and movies. Right. Um, but I'm going with somebody that I know is not going to be a widespread one here. Um, but I'm going with Seth Rollins, um, for the reason being, hear me out here, hear me out. So his overall body of work was super important to that company. He, he took an he took a new title. He made it feel basically new and great right away. He even had the world going crazy with something as simple as how he reacted to CM Punk's return. That kind of just showed how this guy could on a dime, you know, do something that makes people talk. Um, from there, sometimes I think people get bored of him, but that's because of how consistent he is. Um, he shows up, does his job, every show he works on. And to kind of prove that, let's talk about the fact that of the PLE versatility he had in 2023. He's the only guy that was on all of them. Um, but if you peel the onion back on that a little bit further, let's think about the matches he was in. He was in the Royal Rumble. He was in the Elimination Chamber. He was in War Games. Those are the three flagship matches that WWE has every year. And he was a key portion of all of it. The Rumble, it was a setup to spot with Logan. Chamber, he was like the guy that was trying to get his WrestleMania moment. Then War Games that he didn't really have the year before. And then War Games, the entire match was really written around if Priest was going to cash in. Then you look at the fact he was in WrestleMania with Logan Paul, had a hell of a match with him. Then the next month, what does he get as a reward? Omos. And he had Omos's best match. And I don't think anybody would ever question that. From there, he wins the title. He has a banger with Styles and Saudi. Then he has two good matches with Balor. The one at Money in the Bank wasn't as good as the one at SummerSlam. Um, then his work um, as the, the crippled babyface is really what brought Shinsuke to that next level with this new character. And then they had two really fun matches. That that um, that last man standing was a little long in the tooth, but overall it was fun. And then, you know, he has the match with Drew, too, in the second Saudi show. Um, from there, let's not forget, Early in January, he had a hell of a match with Austin Theory on Raw. He had an awesome match in June against um, Damian Priest in a main event of Raw. He had an awesome match with Sami Zayn. That match with Jey Uso, which was, what, November or so, that was phenomenal. Um, He even went down to NXT and had a four-star match with Braun Breaker. Um, The guy did everything for WWE in 2023. He was there from the beginning when he was kind of uh, an afterthought putting over guys like, you know, getting Logan Paul to a level and before he beats him, wrestling Omos and not really bitching about it because, yeah, he knew a title run was coming down the road, but he showed how eclectic he could be in ring and he didn't have a bad match for the duration of the year. Um, And he kind of was the glue that kept brought together while, you know, Cody was kind of in a couple of weird feuds like the Brock one that kind of was not the, the flagship of the show for certain periods of time. Seth remained the constant and he was somebody that, you know, really 
was was the MVP of WWE in my opinion in 2023. Um, again, for all the reasons I outlined, but just the fact the guy can go and he's really kind of taken the turn that you know a couple years ago everybody hated him. He's going to keep his mouth shut on the internet. He doesn't do that shit anymore. He just shows up, works, does his thing, and um, I thought he had an awesome 2023. It's a case. I don't think you're wrong. Like you're, you can't be wrong with your opinion. Like I don't, I don't. Your case is strong. It's just, it's just not for me. You know what I mean? Uh, but you can't deny his case. The resume is great. The character. It's kind of, it's is- kind of like an Oscar thing, like I said, where it's mm-hmm. like that level of just being up and down and doing just all these different things at a high level throughout the whole entire year. But I mean, like you said, he's just he's just not for me. But yeah, you know, and he's uh, been killing it with, uh, like you said, different parts of the card. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, He's uh, been the one consistent thing on one of the many one consistent things on WWE television. Uh, I think the promo you cut where he said, this is my real authentic self was kind of silly. But uh, other than that, like in ring, like he's been nothing but uh, nothing but consistent and great. Yeah, he can get wonky sometimes if it's not like an appointed feud for sure. Um, But I mean, even that, that punk promo, like. That was obviously a little teaser to preview in the future, but I mean, he, he there was some teeth there <laughs> for sure. So, I mean, when he could be serious, he's fantastic, you know. And I think uh, he does have a chip on his shoulder for not being face of the company. And uh, I think he said in like the Ariel Hawani interview that he, I don't think he ever thinks he will ever be given that opportunity. So, I think he's definitely carrying that with him during this current run. You can say he can be wonky, but he can also be serious. I think he's more wonky than serious. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like you take the other spectrum there. You know what I mean? It's like he is wonky, but he can be serious instead of, well, he can be wonky. I just think it's like 80-20 instead of 20-80. But it's like he's he, – I don't want to say he's grained on me, but I just think he's just solid. You know I what can I mean? understand he's, the fatigue. Yeah. I can 1,000% yeah. understand because – and it's like nothing is really like you can't look at one match you had this year. It was like that was the match of the year. We didn't mention him once, um, yeah. but I don't think you would ever even think about any of his matches being anything less than good either. You know what I mean? Given oh, he, given he, what he's, he's what he great. has in front of him, so that's that's the thing too is he's he can get boring because he's consistent, but he's mm-hmm. not the guy that you're going to be talking about the five stars. But you're not going to be talking about a two and a half either. So that can get boring for people. I just think of it as the guy that kept that company going straight when there was a lot of weird moving parts going on around him. Listen, there's 156 hours of raw a year. I just did the math and he's done a, he's done a great job of filling that. And you can't deny that. You know what I mean? But there's a reason why CM Punk comes around when they want to talk about contract negotiations. There's a reason why they lean on Cody Rhodes to, cut that compelling promo you know there's a lot of it's just like he is a really really good guy he's just not the guy even you alluded to him saying that himself could he he could be the guy one day it's just not his year i don't know it's just not his year and time to be the guy but your case is strong and a majority of the crowd and listeners are probably going to agree with you mike but when you look at the shield and you think of like when you look at Roman Reigns, Rain, that's like that's like a man. And John Moxley seems like a, a man. And Seth Rollins has always come off like a boy. You know, he's always come off as a, like a child in a way of like an immature person. And I don't think he's that's probably at the core of who he is as a person. 
I think I have a hard time separating who he is as a person with his his wrestling stuff. But I think that's just the, his character comes through. And I've said it a million times where like whenever he's a good guy, that real immature kind of just baseless dude always comes out. And that's when he gets tired and stale because his he might think his real personality is what people want. But it's not. <laughs> watch his ride along with Becky. You know? Oh, that guy seems like an asshole to his yeah. girlfriend all the time. Like, watch his interviews and stuff. Like, it's like, ah, oh, there's he's a grating person. And I think that's he he's, thinks he's just a heel, Rocco. <laughs> he's yeah. a fucking heel. Yeah. That's what he is. I, 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 I think it takes one fucking no one, Rocco. He's a <laughs> heel. <laughs> I think what what with Seth Rollins and uh, you know when he was trying to be when they were giving him the opportunity to be face of the company in 2018. Um, 19, yeah, you know, 18, 19. 2018, 2019. Um, you, you know, when he was doing the IC title run, everybody loved him. You know, that's because he pretty much didn't really go on Twitter or <laughs> say anything that he would put his foot in his mouth. And that's unfortunately what he was known for during that period of time. And I think a lot of people, and, and it might even go back further where people uh, don't really like him since he broke up the shield. You know what I mean? And some people still harbor some like, granted, it's a storyline, but it's something that somebody like that was the storyline that kept people invested and got people interested in WWE at that period of time. And he kind of took it away from him. You know, it's kind of like. And and to follow that on top of fatigue, mm -hmm. just remember what happened after that 20 minute, 20 minutes to open every raw with him having really boring promos and a really terrible cane. Yeah. You got the whole authority thing. Yeah. The authority thing was, uh, that that was a tough period of time. Uh, I'm glad we're glad we're all better for it. Gents. Uh, Stooges though. (laughs) (laughs) Security man. Um, but, but yeah, with Seth Rollins, it is, you know, he, he hasn't been talking as much, but you know, when he was trying to go punk, when punk was punk was a part of the Fox, uh, show, for for a while and he was trying to go punk for a match and then trying to be the face of raw and then he made the comment to osprey about having uh more money in his bank account and i think that really soured a lot of people on him you know and i think he came across as a very big pro wwe guy almost to a fault and i think he is a very big wwe guy and i think he just loves wwe so much it's to his detriment at times and there's being a company guy without force feeding the or force feeding others to agree with the company narrative. Um, I don't want to make the comparison with Seth and Cody, but at least with Cody, he will seem like he'll listen to people's uh, criticism, you know, of certain things when you see him in interviews, like he carries himself uh, well with Seth. It's almost seems like, I don't want to say combative, but he's a little bit more uh, prickly when you see like interviews of him and you see like how he carries himself a little bit, not and, saying it's bad, but it's like, it's, he's like a little bit on edge to say something and, and see like when his views line up with Braun Strowman's in certain aspects, like when Braun was on his Twitter, like his like anti-indie thing, it's like, Seth, you're the same. You're kind of sounding like Strowman over there. Like it ain't, it ain't a good look, dude. Hey, they were tag champs. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> Oh geez. Yeah, I they agree. Were. So, but again, Rossi, these people might enjoy, agree with you, and I agree with your sentiment. But to my point, in the balls in my court now, it's hard. Um, touched on MJF. It just feels that when you're going wrestler of the year and the company is kind of ticking down, it's hard to go with you in a way. You know what I mean? Like, 
you could say it's just it's just the overall aura of AEW seems to be ticking down and with MJF as a whole calendar year as your top guy your te- your television built around it and he did a really good job but I don't know I just, that that I couldn't just give him that because it's a complete package like we talked about earlier so that's why I kind of couldn't really go in his direction Cody I think 2024 is his year he is definitely a candidate for this for sure but I don't think his time is yet and I think he had a really great year but I think um others had bigger years Rollins just not for me um he's a if we were to compare him to Cody perhaps yeah for sure but I'm going with quality over quantity um this guy had eight matches the whole year he made an event at WrestleMania he was a Rocco, give me those eyes. I know. I see it. <laughs> I can't believe he chose Jimmy Uso. <laughs> it's 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 the big dog. It's the ooh-ah man. It's the head of the table. It's Roman Reigns. Um, he may be boring to you, some of you, but whenever he comes on, this TV that's been rocking all year, it goes up to 11. Like when, 2.5 million views per episode he's on. That's not a joke. Uh, um, yeah, Punk stole some of his aura from a box office standpoint, but that bar is raised that high because of this man. Um, box office draw, biggest one in the company, so to speak. Um, let me just give you his resume. Kevin Owens versus versus Kevin Owens at the Royal Rumble, four and a quarter stars. Versus Sami Zayn, Elimination Chamber. Four and three quarter stars. Cody Rhodes, main event WrestleMania, four and a half stars. KO and Sammy versus Roman and Solo, Knight of Champions, four and a half stars. Bloodline versus the Usos, Civil War, Money in the Bank, four and a quarter stars. One, two, three, four, five. His first five matches of the year, all time. All-time great matches. For me, to go four and a quarter over is an all-time match. Now, the Civil War match was a masturbatory match to start. It was slow. It was pacing. But you can't top that drama for a guy that hasn't been pinned in three years for them to deliver on that and actually do it. It was built really well. It was just kind of boring at the beginning. But they got to it, right? That that was a 32-minute match. should have been 22. But it just shows how valuable he is to this wrestling to this company and to the wrestling as a whole for a tag match his cousin to gain a pin and to get that big of a reaction imagine the rock beating him in saudi or in australia or at wrestlemania or cody finishing the story and beating him or who if it doesn't happen yet whoever beating him that guy is sealed, signed, and delivered as your next face of the company, and it's all off this guy's back. And then the last two matches of the year, Jimmy Uso, it was a disappointment, no doubt about it. It was masturbatory. It just didn't feel on the level that Roman Reigns matches are at, but because that level is so goddamn high, and the first six months of the year, he con- he accelerated that bar up and continued that trajectory up. Um, but it's a still a three-star match. It's still good. It's just not that high. And I like the LA, LA, LA night match at Saudi. Uh, 
LA Knight did a really good job with Roman. Uh, we didn't really talk about LA Knight a lot in this awards, and that's unfortunate because yeah. he had a get it. He had a great year this year, so I just wanted to give him a shout here. I don't know. I'm not sure what category he would fall in. Probably most charismatic for sure. But LA Knight had a great year, and I think his future is still bright. But he, it's a big plate to step up to. Um, I understand that the second half of the year, he really wasn't around, but they signed the contract and they used them earlier on in the year. So it's it's hard to deny it. My wrestler of the year, just due to complete package, impactfulness, and then I gave you his resume, Roman Reigns. Quality over quantity. Richie Mars. You do make a you do make a point with Roman Reigns. You know, he everything he does is pretty much talked about. It's box office, it's uh, ratings, it's whatever you want to see. His name alone uh, is carried weight on the brand he's on. You know, and the whole story, you know, of uh, the bloodline is also like pretty solid. I don't think he's my uh, wrestler of the year. I'm gonna say a couple honorable mentions uh i mentioned alex shelley before and a lot of these matches aren't as good without the influence of alex shelley and now he's finally getting his flowers in impact and that's great uh i think 2024 is going to be another great year for him and he's going to take tna to the next level whatever level that is that they can be afforded to be given um Samoa Joe had a sneakily good year too. You know, he started the year as champion, as the Ring of Honor uh, television champion. I believe he was the TNT champion as well. You know, I think multiple time. And then the king of television, as he was. And then he ended the world, uh, ended the, uh, uh, the year as world heavyweight champion. And just, and I don't think a lot of people expected him to be in that position right now, especially with him being such a veteran of the business. People probably expected him to put over other talent uh, at his uh, at this point in time. But he has been a wonderful surprise in the AEW realm. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm always in between a couple people. And uh, one, Rossi, you already said his name. Um, Seth Rollins, you know, he was the most consistent thing on television. I'm not a big fan of the character. I think some of the things he does kind of detracts from what the overall accomplishment is uh, from the back injury to doing topes while having said back injury while doing superplexes with the back injury kind of takes me out of it at times. Uh, And then uh, I'm leaning a little bit towards Cody Rhodes in a way because if you look at his year and he said this in an interview, he had to learn. Uh, he learned from John Cena about being the champion without being the champion in WWE. Now, what does that mean? It pretty much means he had to do everything in order to be that champion. He had to have the most matches of anybody this year, which he did in WWE. He had to sell a lot of merchandise, which he did, uh, in December, he that's uh he outsold everybody. He had to learn how to be an ambassador from the company, and I think he's done that tremendously uh, with the wrestling club that was recent. Uh, you see him on his Instagram story a lot, just signing uh, belts and eight by tens and doing that John Cena spot, which is good for that face of the company. And I think he really was slotted in that position this year, and it was almost like a trial run before he finishes the story. So. 
Uh, but the thing is, like the feud quality wise hasn't been the strongest, but at the same time, like he has been consistent with his promo ability. And when people are uninterested in a story, they're interested by the end. I kind of link it to the Trish Becky feud where a lot of it was unfortunately hitting, uh, not hitting, uh, missing with the crowd, unfortunately, because I don't think they won the boot Trish. It was kind of like that edge effect when he would turn heel with the judgment day. And, uh, it, it didn't pick up until that cage match, unfortunately. So I think just because this was like a year proving year that he is the next guy of the company, I think Cody Rhodes is my pick for superstar wrestler of the year of 2023. All right. Look at us not agreeing. I love it. We're all giving valid points. Rocco, are you going to agree with any three of us or what? Nope. Uh, my guy this year is uh, going to be Walter slash Gunther. Um, to me, he's the most I important. I don't think you have dude. to slash it anymore. That's, that's, that's past tense. That's last year. No, sorry, sorry. That's his dead name. But yeah, Gunther is, <laughs> is the guy that, to me, he's everything that I want WWF to be. Like he's. Because I want that to be how they present dudes from now on. You know what I mean? Like, he's got that, like, cool, like, 2018, 17 indie pre-AEW kind of, like, vibe that he brings. And there's a a believability to guys like Mox and Kingston and Danielson. And he's one of the few guys, to me, that really seems that way, where he's so legitimate. And, like, he's – is he the way he – he wrestles when he talks. He's just very fresh and unique compared to the package of a WWE. He's the anti-Cody in some ways. He's the anti-Rollins, the anti-Roman in some ways because he just seems – just everything he says is curt. Like you said, like the match at Mania was – it's see, it was short, Ryan, which is something I didn't really think about until you said that. And I'm like, that's true. Like it was only, what, like less, less than 15? But like everything, it was like a Hemingway novel. Everything was important. And with him, everything is important with Gunther. From the way he looks, we'll, we'll just talk about it. his entrance is fucking amazing. His entourage, his the way he dresses, the way he looks, the way he talks, his believability. Like it, it's all, there's no like fat on it. It's all like a perfect small steak that fills you. There's no fat no more, right? Hmm? And that's no yeah, well, that's the thing too. I know people like skinny Gunther. And I think I may have mentioned this to you, Ryan. Like old Gunther would kick your ass. New Gunther is going to steal your girlfriend. He's going to fuck your mom, and he's going to kick your ass. And that's why he's a much cooler character now. But like, just think of like the he hasn't even fought top that many top level dudes. And when you think about a Gunther match, he's got that ability like a Joe, like you were saying before, Richie. Like Joe versus this guy. Joe versus this guy. Gunther versus X. Gunther versus Shinsuke. That sounds like a fucking dream match. All Gunther's matches to me seem like dream matches, like because he's so unique and guys will wrestle differently. It's very Brock like, except for Brock is dangerous, but like he's dangerous because he's a dick who likes money and stuff like that. But like when Walter, his violence comes from like almost like a religious way where he's like his motivation is so defined, which is a thing I have a problem with Roman and a lot of characters in WWE is that like he is so defined that like he's motivated not by like a sports idea of like being the champ and just mm-hmm. having money. Like that's not even important. Like he wants retribution because you offended him. You, the thing he takes, you profane something he looks as sacred and such a different viewpoint for a, a character to have. And I just love that. Like 
that's, and that's how he defines himself as a man. The way he treats his faction is perfectly laid out. And like the year he had with being the champ and Roman, in a way, because Ro- he didn't wrestle a million matches either. He had a lot more than Roman, but like his presence was always there. And he was always the heavy in the background where sometimes, like I said last time, Roman disappears when he's not there. So like, I don't know. Like, I just love his character so much. And it's what, like his obsessiveness with wrestling and being people being being disrespectful to him is his like Achilles heel that will lead to his downfall, right? Like, cause he's crazy, but he deserves it now. So like, it's just such a great character that doesn't, it's not like other characters in that company. And then when you take the matches, like I said, like everything, every match he has seems like it could be a classic before you go into it. And the year he had just seems like it's just, it's so, I think Roman is at a plateau. A lot of the, like the three guys you mentioned, I think Cody has the most up, but I think like Roman and, and Seth are very uh, linear in how their thing's going to go. And they're going to spike with the big matches, but Gunther, it's always, it seemed like as soon as he's been in this company, even in NXT, he's always been escalating to higher and higher things. So like this year just was kind of like the origin story of this, this beast, this monster that, it's just gonna fucking own this company as a bad guy for uh, for years, and that's why it's gone through for me, man. Because I just I'm always excited to see him and hear him talk, and just just look at the guys like a Gable fucking three match feud, a Miz feud that seems so credible. Um, just so much cool shit, and uh, yeah, he's my guy for this year. No complaint here. Gone through rules. Interesting that we all have four WWE guys now. The Observer in the past have been very not so WWE friendly. Is there is this the year that they will pick a WWE guy or will our example of four guys getting picked kind of equal out there? And then whoever the favorite from AEW or New Japan, probably MJF, will rise up and kind of steal it because the WWE vote will be spread out like we kind of just did. I think Dave Meltzer would rather cut off his dick and mail it to Vince Russo than give any accolades to a WWF product. So, no. <laughs> Probably not. He's more pro WWE now yeah. than ever. Really? So, well, Who I, won it last year for them? Was it Moxley? Yeah, Moxley again, yeah. That's what I mean, but I mean, that yeah. tells you, like, MJF's got the strong leg up on this one, I think, with the Observer readers. When Jericho won it in 2019, I was like, what are we doing? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Whatever. It, it, it's one of those things where it's like yeah you know where it comes like you know where it comes from uh you know it's a like you gotta think of uh the readers you know the readers who do the uh observer awards you know they lean uh very uh much one way yeah. uh towards it and that's fine that's uh what they perceive what wrestling is and uh uh again like uh you look at the company somebody has like a uh, finisher named after the dude so it's safe to say that no, I, I get uh, it. And I'm not, I'm not shitting yeah. on it. I'm just, no, I'm just yeah. Trying. It's just, it's just the reality of the situation where it's just like, yeah, like it's anything with any, uh, magazine or journalism, like not, not just wrestling, just things in general where people are going to be biased towards one way or another, you know, just like everybody's biased towards their fa- favorites in WWE, AEW and professional wrestling in general. Like we all like, uh, a different, uh, source of wrestling i don't think any of our one ideologies of what wrestling is to us is exactly the same 100 yeah we have like a venn diagram where we all like certain things but with uh the observer stuff it's uh one of those things where it's like they're very specific in what they 
like and what they think wrestling is. Oh, for sure. I, I'm I'm just curious, more curious than not. So no, you should shit on because there is a certain idea of like a, a person that has a, a tastemaker that has that much sway has a responsibility. And when you're being biased, like when you're when you're just so anti back in the day, I think he was very anti ECW for a certain player period. And TNA was always the worst thing in the world. And like WWE and Hogan Andre with like negative four stars. It's like it, it's like I don't know. I've never cared about that guy. I don't really read much about him, but like there's a certain responsibility that you have. And when you're using it to be an asshole and you have so many people that are going to listen to you, there's narratives that form based on things he says that are harmful to the product, to people watching. And people just think this guy's an expert when he's just another fucking idiot, just like anybody else. I mean, I mean, it's a dude with an opinion for at the end of the day. Like if you see like uh, what he gave, like I think Kurt Angle and Shawn Michaels, like he didn't give like, it was like four and three quarters. You know, and then you have people obsessing over why is it only four and three quarters? And even he's like, dude, it's just like if it's five stars for you, five stars for you. And I think he said like a rule if it's like it's a if it's like a quarter star apart, then it's like we basically agree on the same thing. But at the same time, yeah. people take that as gospel, you know, and they really shouldn't. It's a guy with an opinion. He's watched a lot of wrestling. His job is wrestling. Uh, and it's one of those things where in in uh, professional wrestling, whether you like WWE, AEW, we should all be able to discuss like we are doing right now and give reasons why without being feared of being judged or feared of uh, the group think that happens with the awards such as this. You know, and if there's I believe the I'm not sure if the Wrestling Observer is voted on by the uh, the actual uh like readers of the uh wrestling observer or yes, like readers readers yeah so yeah. again it's gonna and they're and they're probably gonna be swayed by who is ever is the author of the wrestling observer you know what i mean so it's I, definitely a giant like group think to a certain degree not like totally because there's an there have been enough votes but you could see where the votes sway a certain way the biggest problem with him is that reviewing and uh, analyzing should be bifurcated from the the gossip like roger ebert pulling kelly like famous film critics critics and book critics and music critics are also not doing entertainment tonight and national Enquirer shit mm-hmm. so when you have this guy who's outwardly talking shit about like the junkyard dog how can i take your opinion on the junkyard dog match where you're literally just fat shaming him and being a piece of shit to him your the rest of your your newsletter so like the critic and the the the, the gossip person shouldn't really be the same person and it's one of it, he is that and i think that's where you get that weird thing of like well fuck this guy because he's he's obviously biased because he's talking about his biases everyone's biased but roger ebert in his film reviews you don't know that he thinks matthew mcconaughey is a fucking asshole because he's not just reporting like weird rumors that he hears about him in the same article that he in the same magazine that he's reviewing his movies and stuff like yeah, that and so that's the big problem yeah we've even seen with uh reporters recently just saying like uh they hate this certain wrestler so and they're still reporting like quote-unquote news that's happening in wrestling today but if you are a reporter and you admit you don't like somebody or you hate somebody your words immediately tarnished you know mm-hmm. if you're a regular reporter in real life then your credentials are taken from you but in wrestling and journalism they're there's no credentials to speak of. Yeah. So it's like, it, I hate that band. Well, 
also the guitar player fucked my girlfriend so yeah i hate that fucking band because yeah you know know what i mean like it's so biased you know and it's just like the the mental gymnastics like people try to justify like yeah you could have your opinion but at the same time if you do have a following you have to be responsible with how you communicate to that following and not put your own personal feelings or biases to talk about what's going on and why a certain thing hit or a certain thing didn't hit without it feeling like a personal dig or personal jab at anybody. Yeah. I think that he, Dave's been more critical of AEW in the last year and a half. Um, What really this year being worse of it. Um, And I think that that's, that's why these votes this year are going to be interesting because to to you guys' point, it's always been, you know, while the while it's his readers voting, it's always kind of been a similar opinion of what he's had, right? Um, Alvarez as well this year, I feel like he was he hated everything. I feel like um, he didn't he didn't say a lot of positive things, and that used to not be him. You know, he used to be a little different. Um, he used to be kind of the, the the one that would see the positive in things, and now it's kind of opposite. It's weird. I don't listen to them as much as I used to. Um, but but I think it's going to be an interesting vote this year because they were definitely more positive on WWE shit this year. As it was a better year than in 2022, um, that it might lead to the votes being a little bit. They'll never be evened out, right? But I think it's going to be closer. to I think some WWE guys are going to win some of these awards this year. Let's put it that way. No, I'm just like I'm not like campaigning or anything. I'm just more curious than not. As wow, we just had four different wrestlers of the year. And they're all WWE. So it's just like there's cases out there to be made for any of them. So I'm curious of what not. But all right, guys, as we head out of here, Richie, Mars, thank you for spending this time with us. What would you like to plug as we get out of here, buddy? Uh, yeah, you can check out my podcast, Wrestling Retold and Relive with Richie Mars, where I it's either me or a guest. And we talk about a storyline, a topic or a retrospective of uh, somebody's career chosen by my guest themselves. And then I'll do research and then we talk about it for an hour. And I also post TikToks at retold Richie Mars. And I have three to five videos a day on there talking about current wrestling, fun little trivia facts of past wrestling and so much more. So go over there, give me a follow. Like I hate the call to action thing, but do it. If you like it, if you don't yeah, scroll past me. <laughs> Just don't comment on his looks, guys. All right, Rocco. <laughs> Rocco what's <laughs> yeah, man, you can find uh, my uh, band Chained to the Dead. Uh, we just put out a, a comprehensive CD. Uh, well, we didn't put it out. A label put it out of all of our previous releases collected together with some new live tracks and a couple of new shirts on our, our band camp page. And you can find all those songs also on, you know, iTunes, any kind of uh, music uh, streaming service, or you can just buy the physical copy, copy, physical copy from us, and use it as a coaster. Also, you can find me on the uh, No So every once in a while, so too. Yeah, of course, Rossi. What's up with you? Nah, man, not not much. Um, Ro- I do say Rocco's shirts are cool. Um, I was looking at them today. I'm probably going <laughs> to grab one. Um, so jump on that, guys, because they're cool looking shirts. Um, 
So yeah, nothing. I mean, I, I'm doing a lot of the the Canoso stuff with you guys too. Um, you know, Ryan, we we do a lot of the preview shows for all the pay per views too, where we go over a match. Um, you do a match with everybody, so I've been one of your constants there. So looking forward to that. And this year, as we start ramping up to the Rumble, I know you've got some stuff you're going to plug with the Rumble too. Um, but just check out everything with Cardoso, um and everything on North South Connection in general. And there's a lot of good shit out there. If you're into the retro stuff, if you're into the current stuff. Um, there's something for everybody, so check it out. Oof. Yes, all three of you join me on my forever, never-ending project of Cronoso, where we truck through the WWF chronologically. We are currently in 1989. We are on this Sunday. We are releasing the final episode before WrestleMania five, and then in a month we will re- um, in a month we will release WrestleMania five, and that's going to be a doozy. But we have the No So Countdown going on on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube short, Facebook shorts, or whatever they're called, Reels, or where Justin and I count down all 402 WrestleMania matches, 402 to 1. I think we're doing five a day for the first month, and we are currently at like four or 380. I don't know. So I want to recount. Head cheese versus TNA should be higher on this list. <laughs> Higher or lower? What, what do you mean? <laughs> I want be- I want it at least top 20. Oh, God. That's what yourself. I want. Top uh, 20. <laughs> bottom 20. <laughs> I, I'm surprised that uh, that TNA had no impact on that on the on the countdown whatsoever, for sure. Um, I see what you did there. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, that's what we going, got going on for shorts. We're trying something new on the new year there, Justin and I. So like I said, they're 45 seconds match reviews so check them out you'll be caught up in no time and then at the end of the month it's royal rumble season we're going to do no so countdown where two guests of the no on the no so feed will give wrestlemania or royal rumble resumes for example stone cold steve austin's royal rumble resume how did it stack up where does it rank all time and we're only going to do the top 10 royal rumble competitors with a rotating twosome breaking down each competitor so that's going to be coming up on this month on the no so i got my fucking hands full i'm always busy and then at the end of the month we're going to preview the royal rumble on the youtube channel so that's it for us guys um 2023 was a great year we're lock and loaded for 2024 on content leading into the new year so check out all four of us guys and we will see you on the next one later guys